Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using God bless you and welcome. Thanks you can have a seat if you are here with us this morning message. in person. If you are uh, online, watching online on Facebook or YouTube or on our website, we welcome you. Uh, we know that you are also here part of the family. I am Pastor Gabe and I have the, uh, along with my wife, have the privilege of uh pastoring here in Emmanuel Church, and we are glad to have you with us. If you're watching for the first time, if you're here because someone sent you a link or shared it on Facebook or YouTube, or or if you're here for the first time, we welcome you. We want to get in contact with you, so let us know if it's your first time here. And in fact, all of those of you who are here in person today, take a moment to go to Facebook, go to YouTube. I'm t- you know, pastors never tell you to get out your phone, but I'm telling you, get out your phone, share the service today. You don't know who you're going to bless by sharing the service today. We are glad to have you here today. We are celebrating uh, a baptism here that will be at the end of the service. And so uh, stick around. Don't uh, tune out. Don't uh, uh, close us out if you're watching online. Stick around for that at the end of the service. We are also starting a brand new series today called Strange Encounters. Uh, strange encounters. And if you want to continue supporting this ministry, you can give online at our website or you can give through text by texting 84321. We also would love to have you join us on Tuesdays in our e-groups at 7.30 p.m. on uh, in our annex building here on the property. That'll be an in-person event and we hope that you can join us. We have a good time praying for each other and I love it because we have often seen when we come together in those smaller contexts to uh, to pray and study. Not only do we learn, do we grow, but we have been praying for different things, jobs and other stuff. And we have seen prayers answered and God provide and move in people's lives. And so we love to see that as well. So again, thank you. Thank you for joining us here today. The series that we're doing today is called Strange Encounters. And I know uh, October is typically referred to as spooky season. Uh, you know, people celebrate Halloween and all this kind of stuff. And fall weather is here. And so I thought to be a little bit appropriate, we would do something odd. <laughs> We're, this, this series called Strange Encounters is going to be a look at some stories in the Bible that are just, just strange. Sometimes they're weird, they're odd. We wonder why is that even in the Bible? We might wonder what was the purpose of this? Does it have a purpose? Why is it there? Because if you have read the Bible, or taking some time to read read out of a Sunday context, read out of a regular Bible study or a devotional, because being honest, most devotionals, even the ones on the Bible app or anything like that, they're good, they're encouraging, but they oftentimes avoid the weird stories. They don't tell you about the strange stories. They don't tell you about the ones that sometimes they just don't seem to make any sense, like... How, why is that important for us to know? Why why is it necessary for it to be in there? 
There are stories like uh, Peter going fishing and pulling out a coin out of a fish's mouth so he can pay his taxes. That's weird. People don't talk about that, but it's weird. It's a weird story. There's there's all kinds of strange stories like that from Genesis to Revelation. Stories that we don't get or don't understand. But I can assure you that if it's in the Bible, there is purpose for it. There is something that we can learn from it. We may not always understand it, but that is precisely why we need to take time to study the Word of God. And so throughout this series, our aim is to look at the different passages that are a little bit odd, that are a little bit different, and take some time to understand what God is trying to say to us. Because if we will allow him to, God will speak to us in sometimes the strangest of circumstances. Today, the title of my message is, He Said What?, he said, what? I don't want to start off too weird because I, I, I was talking with my brother and we were talking about some strange Bible stories and I was just like, ah, oh, but those are weird. Like, those are really weird. I don't want to start off too weird because I don't want to scare people off, first of all. Second of all, if we're doing baptism and today and I don't feel like that would be appropriate. So we're going to talk about Jesus today and something weird that Jesus said. And so that's why the title of my message is He Said What? Now, before I get started on that, something that I wanted to share uh, that is relevant to my message, so pay, for, pay attention for a second, go with me here. Before, when I, before I got married, I, I never thought of myself as a very picky eater. Um, but when I started dating my wife, uh, and we would go on dates, we would go places. She would often try to take me to places that I'd never been to. And then I realized I had a palette of food that wasn't very expensive. You know, I grew up in a Mexican household, so we ate a lot of Mexican food, obviously. I had someone ask me one time, a friend of a, a father of a friend, and he's like, so since you're Mexican, what do you call Mexican food at home? I'm like, I don't know if this is a offensive question or, I mean, I never thought about it, but I guess food, you know, it's tacos, it's enchiladas, it's this, it's that. But then there were also things that I, I, I realized that I never really had an expansive palate. I had like an, a typical, probably American kind of diet. And when I started dating my wife, she started taking me and wanting to go to places that I'd never been to. I'd never eaten Thai food before. I'd never eaten, um, I, I forgot the word for it, uh, even Caribbean food. She is from Puerto Rico, and I'd never eaten Caribbean food before. And the one time I did, when I was in Puerto Rico, I didn't like it all too much because I said everything had platano in it, and I didn't really like platano at the time. Yeah. And then, but, but, but I, my taste grew, my taste changed. I expanded my palate. I started eating things that I, at one point, maybe would have thought weird. I hated onions. I hated tomatoes. And people ask me that. How do you do that? Like, that's in all Mexican food. I was like, well, I just don't eat it. And my parents would always forget too. It's like, oh, right. You don't like tomatoes. You don't like onions. You don't like that. And now I, I do occasionally enjoy tomatoes in my food, onions in my food. I still hate mushrooms. I don't know if you like mushrooms, but I, st I still hate mushrooms. I can't eat them. They're too spongy. 
But there are weird things. It, like to me, sometimes when we go out of our way, we eat sometimes uh, a very normal kind of thing. We don't like to stray off of the beaten path and try something new, try something different. And yet there is so much food out there that is delicious and good if we would just give it a chance. And so the story that I'm going into today of Jesus starts with Jesus feeding people. And then it takes a left turn. He feeds people, and we know that we, if you know the story, the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus miraculously feeds 5,000 people, more so actually than that, because the Bible tells us that there were counted 5,000 men. That's not including the women that were there, the children that were there, the dogs, the kitten, I don't know. Uh, that's not including all of them. And so he fed, fed many thousands of people, and then suddenly they started looking after him again after he left. And they said, we want more of that. And Jesus suddenly took a left turn and said something very strange. And before I read the passage, I'm going to say what he said. And Jesus said, if you want to know God, if you want to be, uh, to, to understand him, you have to give you, give, you have to eat what I give you. And what I give you is you eat my flesh and you drink my blood. Now that is not something that we typically, you know, do. We frown upon cannibalism in our nation. Most parts of the world we frown upon cannibalism. But and it sounded like that was that was what Jesus was supporting in this moment. It turned so many people off. It it it, it there were thousands that were around him in this crowd and suddenly there was no one. So let's try to understand today what Jesus was talking about when he said this. So let's go to John chapter 6. And we're going to first read John chapter 6 verses 43 to 60. And so Jesus is having this conversation after he feeds the people and he tells them that I am coming to give you something more. And they didn't understand what he was trying to tell them. And so they started arguing and grumbling among themselves. And Jesus responds to them. He says, stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And I will raise up, raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets that will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from Him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who was from God, and only He has seen the Father. Very, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to sharply argue, uh, argue amongst themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? How can this man give us flesh to eat? They're, they're not understanding. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever dr eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. 
Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Verse 60, on hearing this, many of the disciples left, saying, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Who can accept it? Father, I ask that you speak to us today through your word. Help us to understand through your Holy Spirit what you have in store for us, what you want to, to how you want to change our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this story starts out in the beginning of John chapter 6, as I mentioned, that Jesus feeds a group of people that numbered in the thousands. And it was a strange event, a miraculous event, an amazing event for anyone that was there. They could probably were talking about it for days on end. Like this, this was amazing. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. You know, when, 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 I mean, my family gets together and we have food, it runs out quickly. There ain't no multiplying of food there. Uh, but the thing about it is, is that Jesus said, hey, yeah, what do we have? Five loaves, two fish. That's all we got. We can do this. We got this. We'll, we'll feed the people. I'll take care of it. And Jesus did this miracle because he had compassion on the people because they had been listening to him for hours on end. And uh, imagine we're here for like an hour and a half, maybe on Sundays, and Jesus was talking for hours on end. And here he is doing this amazing miracle, miraculous thing. And people were astonished and they wanted more of this. But the thing about it is they didn't really want more of Jesus. They didn't want to understand who he was. When they sought Jesus out, Jesus revealed their motives. See, sometimes we come to God expecting the miraculous. We want the money. We want the provision. We want the healing. We want all of these things. We don't want Jesus. We just want his stuff. And when we come to Jesus, he reveals our motives. So part of the story is that Jesus reveals our motives. Because in this story, we find out a couple of things about the group of people that came back. Jesus tells them, first of all, first of all, you just want more food. I can give you more food. I can do that. But that's not what you really, that's, that's not what you need. See, Jesus calls out our motives. He sees beyond the things that we understand. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows us the deeper things inside of our hearts. He knows the things that we don't say. And so as people came to him, he started to reveal what were the things that were going on in the situation. First of all, people wanted more food. They wanted the stuff. They wanted the miracles. They wanted all of that. There are so many in the church today that come for that. They come for those things. They come expecting God to heal them. They come expecting God to provide money for them, they, a new car, a new job. And all of these things are good. And that, and God does these things among people. He, he heals, he saves, he changes lives. He does so much for us. Yet, when our motives are placed on the stuff, when our desire is placed on the miracles of God instead of actually on, instead of on Jesus, we're missing the point. See, they wanted the stuff. I mean, I want stuff. Who doesn't want stuff? We like stuff. 
But Jesus says that there's a deeper issue here. Your heart is not set on the right thing. You're talking about, and he starts to explain to them, I am here, I am the bread of life, and if you eat this bread that I can give to you, then you will never go hungry again. You won't be unsatisfied in life anymore. And so immediately they respond, well then give us that bread. We want that thing. See, the bread you gave us the other day, that was good, but that sounds better. Bread that can make you live forever? I just thought of a Spongebob episode where they're selling chocolate. I say, this is some regular chocolate. You rub it on your skin and you live forever. And so Jesus was, that's what it sounded like Jesus was peddling to them. It's like, if you eat this bread, you're going to live forever. You'll never go hungry again. Now we want that. We want the stuff. We want the stuff. They didn't, but they didn't want just the stuff. They wanted to conform. Secondly, they wanted to conform Jesus to what they wanted. They wanted to make Jesus who they wanted him to be. Because in those moments, they said, man, look at this guy. Listen to this guy. He's so intelligent. He, he has authority. He has power. He has, I mean, look at what he did in the wilderness with all the bread. This man is who we're waiting for. And in those moments, they believed him to be the Messiah. But they said, this Messiah, who we need, we need to make him king right now. Let's start a revolution. Let's overthrow Rome. Let's push them back. Let's become free again. Let's become free again. They wanted to make Jesus who they wanted him to be and didn't want to accept what he was telling them in the moment. We do that as a church too, especially here in the United States. We are obsessed with that idea of freedom just as the captive people of Jew and the Jewish people were in those days. They were obsessed with this idea of freedom. And they said, we want to be free And Jesus said, yeah, I came to bring you and make you free, but you're not seeing it. I am not who you want. You're putting your own expectations on me. When we make Jesus something that we want, we miss who Jesus really is and what he has really come to offer us. Jesus has come to offer freedom, yes, but so much more than we think it. So much more than we think it. And yet we have Christians today arguing about the fact that freedom means that we can... I can't even believe it. I saw a clip one time, someone arguing against masks. And you might have your own opinion on masks and everything with COVID-19. Someone argued their opinion on masks and said, Why do we need masks to throw God's beautiful breathing system out the air? I'm like, I don't even understand what you are trying to say to me right now. That doesn't make sense. Why? Sure, maybe we have a difficult time breathing. Get a different mask, maybe. I don't know. But that's besides the point. We get so occupied with these small things, our own personal freedoms, that we miss what Jesus is trying to do in our lives, something greater, something bigger. And so what we do in those moments, without even realizing it, is when we put our ideals our values, our wants, our desires, and make Jesus a Messiah for ourselves, we make God so much smaller than he really is. We put him into a box and make him, make everyone else think that this is who God is. And we miss him. We miss him. That's what happened to the religious leaders of those days when Jesus was walking through Jerusalem there before he was crucified. 
They were looking for the Messiah and he was right in front of them. They were looking for their Savior and he was right in front of them and they missed it. And that's what happens. We, we will do that we, when we put our expectations on Jesus. But Jesus comes to expose that. He comes and says weird things sometimes. He does weird things. He does things that don't make sense and that's what he did. He was starting to gather a crowd and he was starting to build up a following. And there were a lot of people that were around him and surrounding him. And by the church standards today, man, that was a mega church, a booming ministry. That was a mega church. Jesus had a mega church. And he looked around and he said, nah, this is too many people. <laughs> All right, I'm going to teach you all something today. You need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, excuse you? Is this man saying what I think he's saying? He said, what? He said, what now? What did, what did Jesus say? Ah, I don't know about this. I don't know. At the end of the scripture we read, they said this was such a hard teaching that they were like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I, I can't do this. This is weird. You know, last week another cult tried to get me, and I think this is what this is. This is a cult. And I'm going to walk away from this before it gets any weirder. I'm going to walk away. But see, we miss it. We miss what Jesus was talking about because we ask for these signs with miracles and all this stuff. We put our expectations, our wants, our desires. We try to make God who we want him to be and we miss who he is. And Jesus explains who he is. He says, I am the bread of life. He was talking to them about manna. And if you've read the Old Testament story of the, the Jewish people leaving Egypt and wandering in the wilderness, they didn't have food to eat. If you've ever been in a desert, I don't know if you have. I've never been. Well, Arizona's kind of a desert. But, you know, there's restaurants. There's, there's McDonald's. <laughs> but this wasn't like that. There was nothing there. And so God miraculously provided something that was called manna. In, in the language that they spoke at the time, it meant, what is it? They didn't know what it was. They're like, what is this? I don't know. Let's eat it. God said it was edible, so we're going to eat it. And that's what we ate. And it was like a bread-like substance. They would gather it together and they could make like bread out of it. It was odd. They didn't understand it, but it was something that God was doing. And Jesus said, that same way... No, they, they ate this miracle. They brought this, they, they experienced this that no one else had ever experienced and no one has, will ever experience. And yet they died. But I'm offering you something different. I'm offering you a different kind of miracle because I am the bread of life. They were looking for signs and missing Jesus right in front of them. They were looking for signs. They were looking for miracles. How many times did we do that? God, I need a sign. God, if he's the right one, give me a sign. If he's the wrong one, tell me to break up with him. Give me a sign. We do all these kind of things. We look for signs. God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. I want a sign. Point me in the right direction. Show me what it is that you want me to do. Lead me. Show me your will. Tell me this. Tell me that. Do this for me. God, if you give me this job, I know this is for me. But if you don't give me this job, and then we keep pursuing. Keep doing it. Keep going. We're looking for a sign, but we're doing our own thing. And Jesus says, look, I'm the sign. I'm it. 
Don't miss me. I am the bread of life, he said. When Jesus talked about the bread of life, he said, he meant that in me, in your life, if you have me, you will be satisfied. But not in the way we typically think about it. Because Jesus offered something different. They wanted something physical. They wanted more food. They wanted a miracle. They wanted healing. They wanted all these things. But see, Jesus said, I'm going deeper than that to the root of the problem. When I talk about bread, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about my life. He said, I will give my life. My flesh is the bread that I give for the life of the world. I'm giving who I am so that you can have more than you think that you need, than you even think you need. I'm giving you more. I'm going to the root of the problem. See, Jesus doesn't deal, uh, Jesus deals with the surface level a lot. In the Bible, we see Jesus countless times healing people, uh, uh, meeting their needs by, with food and other things like that. He meets surface level problems because that's who he is. God is love and he will always show compassion, but he also goes deeper than that. But sometimes we don't want the deeper. We just want the surface level. But Jesus says, you need the deeper. Take the bread that is my life. Take my life. And you will understand what that means. Because now you're free. But not not from your oppressors. Not just from that. But you're free spiritually. You're free from the dark things that have held you down in this world. You don't have to fight on your own anymore. The bread of life, my life, comes into you and helps you walk away and know that you are not alone. It helps you understand that you don't have to fight on your own. It helps you understand that nothing on this earth will satisfy you, but I can satisfy your heart. I can heal your heart. I can do things that no one else can do. I am life. We miss that, though, because we want something else. American Christianity has often been obsessed with the surface-level things while missing the deep work that Jesus wants to do. We want to look good. We want people to think we're good. But we would rather not have the hard things. People said, this is a hard thing to teach. This is a hard thing to understand. And the thing about it is, it was hard, sure. It was difficult. But there, were, but there are a couple of things about this. We can misunderstand what God is saying simply because we, we don't get it. Or we can purposely misunderstand things. Because there were people in that group that understood what was going on. And we're going to read the rest of that story in uh, John chapter 6, verse 61 to 68. And so in verse 60, they said, On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? In verse 61, Jesus, they, 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 they are confronted by Jesus. And he says, Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. 
The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them that did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Many from the, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Many people turned away, walked away from this. And at the end of this, Jesus was left with the 12. The 12 who he had chosen. chosen not chosen, chosen. In verse 67, he says, you do not want to leave two, do you? He gives them an out. The 12 people who were considered his closest, the people that were his friends, the people that had traveled with them, that he taught, that he ate with, that he experienced life with them. You want to leave too? In verse 68, Peter answered him, Lord, where shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So someone understood. Peter understood what was happening in this moment. It wasn't just that he was talking about bread. It wasn't that he was talking about food. It wasn't talking about miracles. He wasn't talking about all this other stuff that people wanted. He, he knew that they want, Jesus wasn't talking about becoming a king. He wasn't talking about setting them free from Rome. He said, there's something deeper here. You alone have the words of life. Who else would we go to? Who else would we go to? See, this is what Jesus was trying to get across to everyone. This is what he was trying to get them to understand. That if you stay with Jesus, if you remain in him, you have access to that life. You have access to God. You have access to more than you could ever imagine if you would simply stay with Jesus. It was hard for people to understand, sure, but some people purposely misunderstood. There were probably people in the group, maybe religious leaders, maybe people that didn't like Jesus, that probably were calling out the teaching and saying, man, is this guy trying to get us to be cannibals? Because that's weird. And yeah, it's weird. Nobody wants to be a cannibal. I hope not. But there was more to it. People purposely misunderstand, and sometimes we do that. We hear the word of God, and we purposely misunderstand it. Because we want it to fit our needs. We want it to fit our needs. People do that all the time with the Bible. I've had conversations with people where I've talked to them about how our responsibility as Christians, one of our responsibilities as Christians is to be able to reach out to the least of these, to the poor, to the homeless, to those who are in need. And this seems basic, like basic Christian knowledge. It seems like you should think about it. Like if Jesus loves everybody, that means he loves everybody. That means he loves those who are homeless and things like that. But I've had conversations with people where I've talked about it. It's like, it seems obvious to me that this is what we should be doing. And yet their argument was, their argument to me didn't even make any sense. It's like, well, no, you see, they just need a job. And what if they can't get a job? 
And what if they can't? And what, what do they do then? Well, they just need to try harder. It's not always that simple. Because it's easy from the outside to try and solve people's problems. It's like, well, I'm, you know, I struggle with depression. Well, why don't you just be happy? Thank you. You solved my issue. <laughs> I'm poor. I don't have food to eat. Well, why don't you just find some food? I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. And we find it difficult, and it, I find it difficult to understand why people will sit there and listen and read the Word of God and say, that's not what it means. Well, well, I've had conversations with people and I tell them, you know, the Bible says, welcome the immigrant, treat them as if you were their own. Yeah, but they don't belong in this country. What? I, huh? I just, okay, are you seeing something in between the lines that I don't see? Because I'm missing something here, clearly. We try to change the word of God to our own, so we purposely misunderstand it. We have to step in and ask God, take that from us, clear my eyes away from my prejudices, my preconceived ideas, what maybe what I've been taught. Maybe we have to go back and say, I'm going to read this, I'm going to try and get to Jesus, as if I'm looking at this for the first time. God, help me understand it. So when we misunderstand it, sometimes we've been taught that misunderstanding. And other times we misunderstand simply because we don't ask. It surprises me in this conversation that nobody said, Hey, Jesus, what does that mean? No one asked. They're just like, this is difficult. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm done with this Jesus guy. This Jesus movement is over for me. But nobody stayed around and stuck around and asked. Not even the disciples, even though Peter was like, yeah, I, I'm not going anywhere because you have the words of life. No one was like, well, I mean, what, what did you mean? Well, what did you mean by that? Sometimes we have to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. A lot of times when we come to church, we might be led, we might be, have this idea that it is wrong to doubt your faith. It's not wrong to doubt your faith. That doesn't make you a sinner. To have questions, to have doubts, to have concerns, to not understand something that does not mean that God has no place for you. In fact, that's you are exactly where he wants you to be. For those of us who have doubts, for those of us who don't understand, that's why sometimes Jesus does tell us strange things, weird things that don't make sense. This isn't the only time that Jesus did something like this. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. What? There were other times people said, I want to follow you. He said, not okay, come, follow me. It's like, well, you know, my parents died. Uh, my parents might be dying soon, so I'm going to go back and wait for them. And, you know, I'll bury them and then I'll come follow you. He says, no. Just, just come now. Don't worry about that. Let the dead bury the dead and you follow me. He did things that made people uncomfortable. Rich people came to him and said, let me follow you. He says, okay, yes, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And they're like, oh, I don't know about that. Jesus makes us uncomfortable, yes. But if we are able to sit and ask and pursue and walk this journey of faith, we will understand that Jesus has so much more to offer and that he is waiting for us to be there. He asked the disciples, you want to leave too? He gave them an out. It's like, I know, I know y'all are struggling probably too. Y'all don't understand that. Will you leave me too? 
He says, you alone have the words of life. See, what it comes down to is this. What Jesus ultimately was saying is he was giving them a picture of what was about to happen. Soon, Jesus would be betrayed by Judas. He would be given over to the Romans. He would be beaten and he would be crucified. He would suffer this injustice because of his radical views on religion and how we were supposed to love people and how our soul, king, ruler, whatever, was God. He suffered this injustice, took on our sin. The Bible tells us he became sin for us. Every wrong that we have ever committed, he became that. He died to go through death, to take sin with him, to take brokenness with him, to take the hurt and and brokenness of humanity with him down to the grave. So that he could defeat it. And this is what Jesus was trying to say. I am the bread of life. You might not get it. You might not understand it. And to this day we don't. I I think there is so much that Jesus did through the power of the cross. Through what he did on the cross that we don't fully get it. But there is so much that he did to set us free from darkness, to set us free from sin, to be there with our struggles, to break the barrier between the sin, the sin of humanity and God and welcome us into his presence to give uh, us all that he is. The God of the universe said, I will give all that I am so that you can have all that I am. That you can be with me. That you can walk with me. That you can have life. That you can experience who I am deeper. If you will ask the question. If you will walk with me. If you will be with me. And stay with me. So as I close this message. What we're going to do. Is we're going to take some time to remember what Jesus did. And we do that through a tradition we call communion, if you've not done it before. And communion is representative of the night that Jesus was betrayed, and he had a dinner with his disciples. And we have someone coming around with the communion elements. And on the night he was betrayed, Jesus had the last supper with his disciples. And again, he spoke of this same thing to them privately. And he said, this is my flesh. This bread is my flesh. Take it. It's broken for you. And he said, this is my blood. This wine, this this drink is my blood. Take it. Drink it. This is my blood that is shed for you. Whenever you get together, whenever you come together, do this. To remember me. Would you stand with me in this moment? Communion is a powerful reminder. It's simple. This little cup that you're receiving. It's a little wafer. Bread wafer. A cup of grape juice. 
And it's simple. It's small. It's simple. Because that's what Jesus wants us to understand. What what he did is complex, yes. And, and we might not understand everything about him and what he has done for us or God. Because God is infinitely beyond our understanding. But he broke it down into these simple things and said, this, this represents what I did. This represents how much I love you. This represents that I conquered death. That I died, yes, but I came back. That I took sin with me and did away with it. That I broke its power in you. That you don't have to walk this life alone. That I am with you. So if you would take the top part, which is the bread. We're going to pray before we take these. getting ready for baptism after this. This bread represents the body of Jesus, the word tells us, that was broken for us. Father, we thank you for this moment. And in this moment, let us remember the sacrifice you made on the cross. You gave your body to be broken over for us so that we in you might find healing physically, emotionally, spiritually. We might find wholeness in your brokenness. As we take this bread in this moment, we remember the work you did, the suffering that you endured. Would you take the bread? This cup represents the blood of Jesus. Father, as we take the, get ready to take the cup, let us remember the blood that was shed on the cross. We don't always understand, sometimes strange to us. But through your blood, the word says we find healing. Through your blood, we find salvation. And we, through your blood, become new again. The old is gone and the new has come as we remember the sacrifice that you have given for us. Would you take the cup? We're going to take some time to be, to, to worship in this moment, to remember Jesus. And yes, God tells us some strange things we don't always understand. But we come together in this place online I know you might not have had access to a communion cup but to enjoy this moment with us as we remember Jesus so I challenge you yes we're going to discuss some weird strange stories but God is going to speak to us through them you may not always understand, but it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be here because this place is the space that God has made for us. What he did on the cross made a safe space for us to come to him with our questions, our worries, our, our, our troubles, our mistakes, our problems, everything. So as we go and take some moments of worship, as we prepare for our baptism part of the service, let's... 
just call out to Jesus and remember today. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.